All right, welcome back into another episode of Politics as usual, as usual as they can be. <laughs> it's never too regular, but I'm excited about this episode. First of all, mainly because we finally got an opportunity to get everybody together, and it's a special event. It's like a family reunion, first time, if if, first if time. you will. So it's a uh, if you will, it's a relaunch, and it's also an opportunity for us to uh, you know keep things the way we always do. But um, I'm your moderator slash host here, Matt Whitener. Joined to my immediate right by the good brother DeMarco Davidson. Hey, good evening or good afternoon or good morning. Whenever you're watching this, uh, it's an honor to be here and in person. And we got two special guests. I mean, we got <laughs> <laughs> it's so great to have our brother Chris with us as well. Chris. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. I missed a few episodes and I'm sorry. Wasn't the same without you, brother. Yeah, but you know same. what though? I'm back for the best one. Yes. I mean, no, no disrespect to anybody else. Too late. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited that Chris decided to rejoin his own show. I'm really excited about that. It just adds so much to it. But uh, I, I don't want to go too long without recognizing our guest for the day here. Um, representing the Missouri State Senate, 14th District out of University City. I'll say it again, University City. Good brother, Senator Brian Williams. Thank you for making time for us, yes, sir. Man. Yo, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad to be the first episode in person. Yeah, man. Hey, that's, that's, that's dope. We, we, we like to save uh, special events for, for special occasions, man. And we're here and you're here for an awesome reason, too. And it's something that I think can only be done justice through this forum. But we will we'll get along to that here in a second. But, um, you know, first of all, man, thank you for making the time and being able to join us here today. Um, there's a lot of things that we want to get into, you know, both from um, current events, but also just to get your perspective on that impact both the Missouri political scene, the St. Louis political scene, and just where we're going to be going with that. Um, you know, so, you know, first of all, I want to say this, man, because it's just the gravity. I forgot this, but the gravity of it kind of hit me. The first African-American male elected to Missouri Senate in 20 years. Yep. 20 that's, years. That's wild. It says so much. Of yeah, that, that no is. doubt. I mean, man, you know, I, I never really even thought about it until when I was running. And like one of the one of these guys that was like volunteering on the campaign was like looking through the website. It's like, yo, man, there's no black men. And I'm like, I never even thought about that. But, you know, I tell you this, man, it, it's been so many just brothers that paved the way. And, and I think, you know, for me, my success has come by knowing that history. You know, I don't know how many people know that that Chris Carter was a state representative. And for me, he was like one of those first brothers that like put on for like you know, young brothers, black brothers being involved in politics and, and taking leadership roles. So, you know, I don't want that to fall, you know, to the wayside that really it was brothers like him that kind of really paved the way for me that became interested. In, and I had a roadmap because of them guys. And, you know, I was just fortunate, you know, between just, you know, God and timing that I, I got to the Missouri Center. Thank you. Well, Chris, man, I mean, that, that hey, that's your legacy, right? You don't like to. Chris doesn't like to look at it that way. Chris likes to play himself down, and we don't let him do it. <laughs> no, like, never. No, like no, like that's that's the whole thing. That's the beautiful thing about it. We talked about this in the past, though, about what it meant to have people, you know, see politics and see politicians that are younger, and then be able to embody themselves. I talk about it in sports all the time about why it's important for people to have examples that look like them in a very literal right. sense. And I think that that is, you know, a, a dope thing to be able to have that and to have that, you know, connection like that. So, I mean, and to think about. 20 years. Uh, uh, I mean, shots, shots out and much respect to all of the of the black women who were state senators. But to not have a black man uh, from St. Louis, not from Kansas City, not from Columbia Springfield or anywhere else where there are African-Americans to represent on like just for the state as well. It's in incredible that it's been that long, way too long 
again, shout out to the, the the black women who held it down and continue to hold it down. Uh, but it's just it says something that's significant, that's important, that's somebody who's young, uh, also from Hazelwood Central. Got to throw that in there real fast. Also a noob. Can't can't hey. forget that. Uh, but I remember, you know, when Brian was running because uh, I was running around the same time. And I remember us being it, being at uh, the church in U City and how some of our answers were were similar mm-hmm. uh, and how there was a group of young people. And I never forget how the group of young people were gravitating towards everything that I shared. But when Brian was speaking, like the kids were like attentive When Brian was speaking. The kids was like, I'm listening. I am there. I am in tune. Uh, so I saw that. I was like, man, like I at first I was like, man, Brian going to get some heavy hitters. Uh, but uh, by the time we you got to the uh, uh, the the one that was at twenty four one, I was like, oh, Brian winning. Brian is going to win this. And he was like, he he probably is one of the most polished candidates that I've seen uh, in my short history of politics. But seriously, one of the most polished candidates, man. So share a little bit, man. But like yeah, just your road it. and understanding of how so, you even got to this part. And even see yourself, man, and, and what and might be well. What's even store for next? Yeah, well, you know, man, I, I appreciate that. And, and again, I think like the history of stuff is just so cool. You know, one thing for folks that know me know that like I was always one of those people that was I'm a communicate. I'm always going to be somebody that's the same person. You know, I'm not going to change. You know, I'm not going to be that person that that you know when you say, "Oh, they're going to Brian," I know I can talk to Brian and and work that out. And you know, so that played a big role really when I ran. That even if it wasn't people that were supporting me, they knew that they didn't have many reasons to be against me. Right. And and I and I think that worked in my favor. But I think other people that just kind of know the process and understand, like I can tell you right now, the representative probably like, yeah, he gonna probably win. You know, it's you know, it's just little things that you can kind of see that people are doing. But I think also, you know, man, I I take it back to so many different parts of my life. You know, my grandmother, who was the uh, first black woman to get an international appointment as an auto worker. She worked at Chrysler. Mm. You know, I was the first person in my family to go to college. And but it was so many inspirational people that just worked hard. You know, they got up every single day and they just did what they needed to do. So that was my foundation. And then the other side of it, too, was that, you know, I was I was privy to kind of see politics, but also I, I understood just as somebody that grew up here, what the problems were. And, and I think sometimes what happened and one thing I've been very intentional about as an elected official is not pretending like those issues don't exist. Like you can't really throw no political buzzword at me. And I'm like, man, that ain't, that ain't real. Like, you know, Chris grew up in, in North St. Louis, you know, the 27th ward, you know, that they, they send some real issues up there. Yep. And that that's night and day from, you know, maybe what somebody in Tyra Grove talking about or, or Central West End. It doesn't matter. So, you know, just really staying plugged in with the with the community and just, you know, being just true to those ideals have been been my, you know, my success points. I think the other part is, you know, going to college and, and pledging a fraternity. And it's one thing that I think about all the time. I, I think about the um, this quote called We the Willing. And um, We the Willing was always powerful to me because it always just talked about just being led by the unknown doing the impossible for the ungrateful. You know, you've done so much for so long with so little that you're now capable of doing anything with nothing. And and that really just kind of how I just approach every part of my life, including my campaign when I ran. So let me ask you this, because I know for years you have um, did a ton of community organizing. You worked for, um, for Lacey Clay, uh, for the congressman for uh, a long time. You did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. 
that people don't even know about. Yeah. And so um, what what was that one thing? Because it, it, it's always one thing. What was the one thing that pushed you to actually file for office and to run? Well, it was that's a great question, but I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit. You know, when I so the way I got that job, I was an intern. Like, I didn't even know the congressman. Yeah, I didn't even know him. You know, didn't know anything about him. Didn't have nobody in my family that was in politics or anything. And um, I did an internship because I had a fraternity brother who uh, knew Allison Singfield. Okay. Yeah. And um, rest in peace, Allison. She was such a beautiful person um, and knew Allison and introduced me to Allison. And when I was in um, last year, my master's program, I did an internship and ended up getting a job. Mm. Didn't even know what my pay was going to be. Didn't even know any of that. And I just knew that I wanted to do some stuff to, to make a difference. And then just kind of navigated that process. But I'll say um, the, the reason I decided to run was because, you know, I, I had a bunch of ideas. Um, the reality of it was that I knew that my ideas and how I viewed the world really could only go so far if my name wasn't on the door. Right. So and I think that I I had an opportunity to professionally, uh, personally and socially understand that, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. And it, it doesn't really matter how you view it. it don't really matter what you think. But but if you're a part of that, you know, the consequences and the views and, and the successes that all, you right. know, that all fall on you. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of pay my own way. Uh, that's always been who I was and always who I am. So, you know, I decided to run. And, you know, I think the other part of it, I remember complaining to my grandmother and I'm like, you know, man, this, this and this and this and this just complaining, saying, you know, politics, this government, this. And she looked at me and she said, why don't you do something about it? Like, what? Well, you know, I wasn't expecting that. I thought she was just going, you know, come for me, be like, yeah, you right. You know, you know, the, you know, the hell with Trump. Right. But <laughs> she was she was like, why don't you do something about it? And I remember uh, getting this quote by um, Theodore Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. Mm. And the man in the arena basically just talked about how it's so easy to criticize people from the sideline. Mm. It's real easy to criticize Representative Carter or Alderman Carter mm -hmm. from the sideline when you're not in the game. It's so easy for, for all of us to really criticize people that are doing stuff that we don't do. And 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 that's just the reality of it. So I knew if I wanted if I thought I was so good at stuff, if I thought I had so many ideas, then get in the game and do something. Uh, but also I was very thoughtful to the timing. You know, I it was an open seat that was coming up. I grew up in Ferguson. So I grew up in North County, uh, understood the district. You know, I felt like that it was, you know, a good opportunity. I quit my job to do it. So it wasn't like it was nobody put me up to it. I like quit my job. So if I didn't win, I was going to have to figure something out anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how I, that's, you know, that's one thing I want people to know is like, if you want to do something, you got to take real risk. Yeah. And, you know, these folks that run for office, they taking real risk. And, and the process is not easy. You know, three of us up here have done it and know, you know, firsthand, like you have to, like, it, it's more than a notion. <laughs> so yeah, you definitely have to have a different mindset to, uh, yeah, to win. I mean, to, to run, but to win is, you know, it's, I mean, it's killer. But to run the right way, yeah. you know, and, and one thing I'll say, I ran the right way. You know, I ran I ran the way that that I believed that I should run. I ran on how I wanted my brand to be. You know, I didn't make my campaign about nobody else but Brian Williams. Smart. You know, I didn't make my campaign about anybody else. And, and I think even today as Senator Williams, you know, there's nobody that can say that I use anybody else's platform to, yeah. to do what I need to do. 
I, you know, I, I carry my own weight. And it's, I'm proud it's, of that. it's interesting to me that you talk about the way to run, because I think that more so than at any other point in my life, that gets lost in the haze now. There's so many different people that are running and doing so many different things and saying, you know, it, it's hard for somebody to understand what's real and what's not and things like that. So when you look across the landscape and you look at all the different things that are happening right now in the political spectrum, what's been your experience in dealing with that now on the other side so far and kind of looking back and just seeing how it's evolved even during the time that you've been in office? Well, we're on a podcast and so we're just going to keep it 100. You know, I was cool before I ran for office. Yeah. You know, I was a part of a fraternity. I already had friends. I already had stuff going on. And, you know, so so running for office didn't honestly, it didn't even change me. It really I mean, it, it didn't change me. It changed me in a way that I, that you would never really expect it to. Like, you know, I became more thoughtful. I became a lot more humble. I became, uh, you know, I realized that I'm on people time now. I'm not on Brian's time. Right. And when I tell you it's rewarding, but it's also extremely frustrating because it's days where you just want to hang out with the noobs and that ain't up to you. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to you on people's time. And and I think a lot of people don't really understand that. You know, um, it's it's a very, very challenging job. Yeah. And, you know, I spend four to five days a week in Jefferson City. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not at home. You know, I come home on the weekends and I have to turn around and come right back. And and I think people really don't understand, like, how much that really infringe on your life, you know. And, and you know, God forbid you have, a you know, a wife or, or, or children or whatever the case may be. You know, it was a little easy for me because I'm not married and I don't have any kids, but it's still hard. Mm -hmm. yep. So, you know, it's, it's it's a real challenging experience. But again, you know, when I ran, I, I knew up front that, you know, who I want, who I, who I was, who I wanted to be, what type of leader I wanted to be. The reason I ran is because of that. And, and that's really what I've been doing the entire time in terms of people that run, you know, you can't really control what people do and what they say. But what I will say is that um, getting out there and continuing to be divisive, put false narratives out there, um, you know, as we stated, you know, in our space, be a hater. Like, it's no reason why you should be trying to pull down another person. You know, when I see black people, when I see black leaders, when I see any leader, you know, I'm trying to figure out how do we coexist. Right. And, and I think, you know, we've gotten to a place now where people think leadership is, is putting one leader down yeah, in order to, to be a leader. And you can be a leader and it be other leaders like we did that in our fraternity. Like, you know, in the chapter you had everybody was a leader. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that the nature of what American politics is supposed to be? Shared it's leadership to be people agreeing on things, people not agreeing on things, but understanding the way to do both. It yeah. seems like that's gotten a little bit lost in the mix this year. Um, but you, you're talking about that. It, it makes me wonder about a thing that I wonder literally every politician right now. Chris did an awesome job a couple of episodes ago talking about what this looks like. Right. What does it mean to work across the aisle right now in politics? You know, in the, in, yeah, in Missouri, it's, it's, it's right extremely there. different. Now. And, 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 in Missouri, and Jeff, in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, you don't have a choice right. if you want to get anything done. Like you know, what people don't understand is like going in and just looking at things and on one side, and you not the majority. That that's not how it worked. So you know, for me, I didn't see the point. You know, I remember. Um, the day I decided to run. So one of my opponents had like a town hall and I'm not going to disclose no names, but they had a town hall. And I said, I brought my mom, I brought my grandmother and I brought my aunt, uh, my mom's youngest sister. 
And I don't even know, were you there, Rob? Rob came and I said, look, if this person make the case, if you think this person has made a case that they should, you know, stay, you know, be able to run for the seat, then I'll just fall back. But I want y'all to see, I want to see if y'all see what I see. Right. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me and they was like, go get your seat. And basically I listened to so many leaders come back and they say, oh, well, we can't work with the other side. Therefore, y'all need to suffer. But it's people in our community that get up every single day and work with people they don't like. Mm-hmm. And they still got to do their job at a high level. Or guess what? They get fired. They get fired. Like you'll lose your job. Like if you go into your job and, you know, the guy in the, in the office next to you, the cubicle, whatever you do, and you go and start fighting with him, somebody's getting fired. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's getting yeah. fired. So why is politics any different? Like you got to be, you know, being professional is the bottom line for me. And and I think that, you know, what I was able to do with this police reform bill uh, was a, was a testament to not even just about working across the aisle, but just really setting a standard like, yeah, we're going to be professional. And we're going to figure out how to work through this. Yeah. And know what? I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, that was one of the, the biggest topics that we wanted to talk about. But let's I mean, let's just dive into it. SB 60. How can you get that or how did you get this passed um, with the current climate in uh, in Missouri, in, 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 the, in the Senate and in the House? Uh, because they have an overwhelming uh, a majority. So you had to have some sort of decency about yourself or you had to be taking care of business to be able to get this done now in this climate just nationally. But locally, you know what I'm saying? Just, I mean, so uh, talk a little bit about the bill and we'll hammer out a few questions here. Yeah, for sure. So Senate Bill 60, basically what ended up happening, it started off as as one way. And it, ended, it ended a completely different way, but it ended up a completely different way for the better. Like yeah. the bill, the bill ended up being way better than I even expected it to be. So, you know, clearly it goes through the process and, and we benefited from the process, but the, the crazy part about it was I remember when I started working on it and, and keep in mind, when I took on this issue, I wasn't running for anything like I'm in the middle of my term. So I'm thinking to myself, like, look, I'm the only black man here. Um, you know, we know what happened to George Floyd. We know what happened to Michael Brown. We know what yeah, happened so, to Breonna yeah. Taylor. And guess what? The only thing I, I identified with when with them was that the fact that they could have easily been me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They could have easily been me. I could take off that lapel pin and and be a victim. Yep. And and I, I knew instantly I would look back on my time there and say I had an opportunity to at least fight for something. And I did it. And I had people around me like, man, that's going to be a tough issue. You're not going to be able to get that done. Man, you appealing to these people and, you know, these groups of folks like you. And man, you really didn't got into this little space. I don't think you really want to mess with that because it's going to be kind of controversial. And and I mean, just all kinds of stuff. You know how I go, Chris. And Everybody, some of your own me. people even tell you that, too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I was like, man, you know, it is what it is. I think that at this time, at this moment, I'm the person I think can, could get this done. Yeah. And and I was willing to do the work. So we spent a year. We went all over the state, Springfield, Columbia, uh, Cape Girardeau, Jefferson City, uh, Kansas City, clearly here in St. Louis, where we are. And we just talked to law enforcement. We talked to activists. I talked to um, fellow elected officials, um, um, Rasheen Aldridge yeah. and different folks. And I knew really, and, and what people don't understand is like running for office and getting elected, like that, 
getting elected only buy you time until people really realize if you are you're a, a leader you're or you're real anyway. Yeah. So it's not like a situation where you get elected and you just get these magical powers and you become this leader. Like, you know, I already understood it from just like being in circles with distinguished people, you know, some of the smartest people in the world. I mean, like we had chapter meetings with some of the brightest people in the world. And I knew in order for that to work, I had to create a coalition. And what does that coalition look like? Not a room full of people that think like me. It got to be a room full of people who view the world different, but they all contribute in some type of way to make this work. So, man, we started talking to the cops. It was days where I talked to law enforcement and I just walked out like, man, this ain't going to work. There was days I talked to activists and I walked out. I'm like, man, this ain't going to work. <laughs> and then it was days where I, I just felt like, you know, it was just such a draining situation. And the crazy part about it was that instead of going further like I did, I could have just said, you know what? I didn't got a platform out there that I tried. That was already enough, enough. for me to get elected. Mm. That was already enough for me to get reelected right there that somebody saw me on TV talking about something that they care about. But that wasn't enough for me. Mm. I was like, mm. I want to get this done because at the end of the day, I don't care about the credit. I want to, this is, this needs to be done. That's what we're here for. So man, we started working through it for a year. Um, I ended up going to a colleague of mine named Tony Luke DeMeyer. Now, Tony was an interesting guy because, you know, full disclosure, he's a Republican, but I supported his Democratic opponent. He ran against a guy named Martin Rucker. And uh, if y'all know, Martin Rucker was a Mizzou grad. This, junior? Uh, this was Junior. junior. Okay. Yeah. You knew the dad. Yeah. So, so Junior, yeah. Junior was a um, NFL, football player, played in the NFL, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, y'all know. Yeah, him. absolutely. You know, probably yeah. arguably one of the best tight ends to come out of Mizzou. Yeah. And uh, he lost to this guy. Right. And I'm like excited about him. I'm like, man, this brother going to get in. And I thought he was going to win. And it was really close. But he ended up losing. And um, Tony comes in and like Tony's this Republican law and order type guy. And we kind of got to know each other. Our offices was like next to each other. So I came to him one day and I said, hey, man, you know, um, you know, I've been working on this police reform stuff. And, um, you know, I need you to take my bill up in your committee. <laughs> And he says, okay. He says, so what, what does the bill do? And I start telling him what the bill did. And you can see him just kind of straightening himself in his chair. Like, as I started, oh, man. He was like, <laughs> and, like nah, not today, and, but no, he was in a tight spot because he was like, you know what? Like, I, I, I truly and genuinely like respect you. And I want to see you get a victory. But I don't know how we do this. Like, I, like, I can't vote for it. So how am I going to like, this is not going to go anywhere. So I'm like, well, look, man, think about it. We get back to him. I go to law enforcement. I say, hey, look, you know, we've been working on this for a year. Y'all say y'all want to help me go to Tony, ask him to take the bill up. So they go to Tony. He's still like, not sure. Now he's the chair of the uh, judiciary committee. So this he's the kingmaker in this style. He the, he the, he the big dog. And um, I go to him again and he, he called me one night. And he says, Look, we're going to take up your bill. I mean, and the thing that Democrats got to understand now, let me tell you the crazy part. I learned so much through this process because it's another world of the process that we don't even see. You know, like like it's stuff because it's not even relevant to us. Like like passing a bill is not relevant to a Democrat in a supermajority uh, Republican legislature. It doesn't even matter. Like you don't have to know how it works because it's not going to happen. So I'm learning this process. And, 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 you know, my staff, we like, whoa, so all, this is how this go down. Like, this is crazy. So he says, look, 
I'm going to go over. I'm going to call the pro tem. I'm going to tell them to bring your bill up the second week of session so we can start working on it and have time because we can't let this come up at the end of the session. And that's what happens to Democrat stuff. It just pop up because they know it's going to die. So he said, we're going to bring it up. We're going to start filling it out out there. So we felt it out. People had reservations. You know, it came out of committee. Now, everybody's like, like, I'm a star now because they're like, wait a minute. You didn't just got a bill out of committee the second week of session. And that could have been enough. I could have just stopped there and said, I'm the only Democrat to get a controversial bill out of a committee. Like, that's the standard. And I'm like, no, we got to keep going. So the he, bar, the bar was low. Oh, for sure. And it was about and mm. it was about saying that I'm going to pick up, pick it up. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, we got to keep going. So uh, I go to him and he says, OK, this is what I can live with. He had a bill and his bill basically um, now. And I want to kind of it's going to be a caveat that I'll go back to after this. But he had a bill that basically did one thing. It lifted the, re- the residency requirement for uh, police officers in Kansas City. That was it. And I'm like, OK. So special session last year, there were three people that voted against lifting the residency requirement for St. Louis. It was three, the three black senators from St. Louis. It was me, uh, Senator uh, Nashi and Senator May. Just us three, right? That voted against it. So Mm -hmm. I'm on record voting against um, lifting residency requirements. Now, my primary reason for doing it and I represent St. Louis County where they don't even have a residency requirement. The reason I did it was because it was going on the ballot. And I said, I think voters should have an opportunity to decide what they want to do with their police department. So, um, you know, I voted against it. So this time around, I'm like, wait a minute, there's only three people that voted against it for St. Louis. Uh, This can't, this ain't, this can't be no big deal anyway. You know, and honestly they did it for St. Louis. I, I think these reforms and protecting black lives is way more important than telling a cop where he can live in Kansas City. That's my opinion about it. How did mm-hmm. Kansas City uh, senators feel about exactly. that? <laughs> no, they didn't like it, but at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, what they had to understand, and this is what I told them, it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. It was going to happen anyway. So it wasn't like, like if they wanted to happen, it's going to happen. That's what people don't mm. understand. Like being up there as a Democrat is kind of like, it, it's really like being online. It's like you either going to come tonight and you know what's going to happen, or you can stay at home. <laughs> but either way it go, whatever happen. we need, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So let me ask yeah. you about that, though, because right. I think that right. I, I think that when you talk about that, when you're in a situation where there's a super majority and there's just so many things that are yeah. happening that you've got to work through, that's got to be a tight rope to realize when you're going to be like, it ain't worth it. Or this is the moment that I'm going to go and walk out a little further on this rope and see how far I can get like. What is that? Is there just the the climate's got to be right to make that call? Or is it a thing where you're like, no, I see the logic of what we're going to do here. And I'm willing to risk it in this. You got to You got to be serious and you got to come in a situation and say, like any real leader that you ever respected. Like if you go back and check the the archives on how people viewed Barack Obama when he was in in the Illinois legislature, I guarantee it was a ton of people that didn't like him. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you. There was a ton of people who didn't like him or just didn't like the way he did stuff. But guess what? He was he was getting stuff done. Um, for me, I already knew that it was going to be people like I had groups calling like, well, we don't like this Kansas City residency stuff. Why don't you let your bill come out by itself? And I said, OK, I didn't say that to them at the time, but I'm going to tell y'all where my thought process was with this, because I thought it through already. We already knew what we was going to do. 
in a majority Republican legislature, how do you get your priorities through? You know how you get them through? By making sure that your priorities, if something happened to your priorities, something is happening to theirs. Mm. So I went to Tony and I said, how about we do this? Now, I don't want no amendments. I want my name on it. Let's roll our bills together in what's called a Senate committee sub, vote it out of committee. If your bill die, my bill die. If my bill die, your bill die. Smart. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. And all we got to do is work together to keep it clean. Yeah. So we spent the entire session just keeping both of our parties from messing the clean, bill. Up. Though, how did you keep it clean? That's yeah. Now that's tough. Now wrap your because you because you opening up so many. Oh yeah, it was a vehicle so for much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was a vehicle for everything. Um, the way we kept it clean was so with the Republicans. The Republicans, they have, it's two groups. You got the Republicans and you got the conservative caucus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you got to square up with both of them. So if I met with the Republicans, they're like, all right, cool. You settled up with the regular Republicans. We the conservative caucus. So let me tell you what our issues are. You know, we don't like the protests. You know, how about we add some language that say if, if a protester get in the middle of the street, they can get a felony. Or if they in the middle of the street and they blocking your vehicle, you can run them over. <laughs> you can yeah, legally run them and, over. Yeah. And, and, and I remember I remember my <laughs> chief of staff, Rob, sitting in there and I'm just looking at him and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, you know, we figured that if you get what you want and we put what we want on here, everybody's happy. I'm like, that's defeating the entire purpose of what I'm trying to do. He's like, so you, this can't work. I'm like, no, it can't work. And what Republicans are not used to is like somebody saying straight up no. Mm -hmm. And and I know for a fact I was one of those few people who ever been there who was not that, you know, clearly I wanted to get it done. But I knew that at the end of the day, my bill had something that was attached to it that law, law enforcement wanted, that Republicans can't vote against. And if I continue to stay diligent through this, it's going to work itself through the process. Right. So that's yeah. kind of how we did it, man. And, and like I said, it was hard because they tried. And the thing about it was that the relationships is what really came in. So like my first year in the Senate, I didn't even really spend no time. And Chris know how this worked. Like I sat on the side. I just learned the rules and procedures. Um, you know, I was in my rule book all the time. You know, I was I go to, you know, people's offices and just talk to them about the districts and by the time I got to really something that I cared about, I knew what everybody in the Senate cared about. Exactly. Mm. I knew what their priorities were. Mm-hmm. And it was plenty of cats <laughs> who had stuff that did not impact St. Louis. Yeah. And and all I was doing was collecting my chips. Like it was like somebody had come to me, Senator Williams, could you support, you know, something dealing with farming or agriculture it has totally. nothing to do with St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I got you. Nobody cares. It's not a big deal to me. It's not against my morals and my values. It's just something you care about. And I cashed in those chips. So when I had this big ask, it was so many people like, man, he, you know, I, he needed me. I needed him for this. And he was there for this. And those relationships built. And I could tell you about it, by the middle of that process, um, Senator Luke DeMeyer, who I was working with, you can tell he had been in the trenches with us so much to where he wanted it for us. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, man, I, I know what you put into this. Like, we're going to get this bill done. And and, and the thing about Republicans, what people don't understand, if you're a Democrat and you in St. Louis and they in some other part of the state, they really looking at it like we believe you're a leader. We'd rather make sure don't know other Democrat 
come up here and, 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 yeah. and replace you. We like what you're doing. Yep. Mm. So, so like, you know, it was, I guarantee you, it's plenty of people that's like, you know, we like Obama. So we're going to make sure we protect Obama enough to keep somebody that we don't know from coming, coming in, in here. Right. Yeah. The so, vehicle. The vehicle. Right. So, you, you, yeah. you, you, you talk about some of the things. Go ahead, DeMarco. I'm sorry. Oh, you good. So, Senator Williams. So, uh, how did, so first off, I hope the governor definitely signs the bill. I hope it passes. Um, the governor going to sign it. It's going to pass. Right. We're uh, working on a date now, actually, and I'll talk about that at the end. That's what's up. So uh, how do you deal or handle the criticism from people who might be in your district who might feel like, oh, the bill doesn't have enough teeth, teeth, meaning that, OK, it protects people from uh, a certain style of police brutality, but not like even, for example, you brought up Mike Brown and Breonna Taylor, uh, who did not die from 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 their from being choked or anything in the capacity. So how do you deal with the criticism again by while also from people from who might, who might be in your district, but also still making sure that the 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 process is not interrupted and and to begin the process of even keeping track of I think that's one part about the bill that, that makes me excited that to start having a, a database of keeping track of the uh the 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 excessive force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, you know, I tell you what, I mean, I, I, I'm still fearless like I was when I ran. Like if if you don't want to reelect me or promote me for doing my job, then hey, it is what it is. I mean, you gonna you'll never if, if somebody could look you in your eye and say you're one of the hardest working people for our community and we don't think you're doing enough, then you, you're never going to be with me. You're like, you're never going to be with me. You're giving the advice your grandma gave you. Yeah. <laughs> do somebody, baby. Do yeah, something. Do something. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about it is what I tell a lot of people, man, somebody who ran for office, it was hard. It's one, it was up there with one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it's so easy, man. It's so easy. You know, like like when I see Chris, like like Chris has been through way more politically than I have. I mean, he's held multiple offices like he's put in that work. And like that level, when you see somebody that level of respect, and I think that's what people don't understand. It's just like, it's just like anything. It's like sports, you know, like when you see LeBron James, it's like, whether you like him or not, it's like, you can't deny, like numbers don't lie. And, you know, I've been in office for a little over two years. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be standing with the governor in Ferguson, Missouri, with a bill with my name on it that did something for people. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody can take that from me. Mm-hmm. When you win a championship, when LeBron won that championship, nobody can take that away from him. Like at the end of the day, yeah. nobody yeah. could take those things away from you. And I think as politicians, um, we get so tied up into like trying to appeal to to one base of people and we not we not doing our job. Right. And and if you like I said, man, if 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 one perspective is going to keep you from doing your job, then you shouldn't be there. anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful statement. I mean, and and it's a bill that when you look at it, there's a lot of different things into it, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's not just, you know, a lot of times I think people see bills or see things that get put in the floor about politics and they just say, well, that just means that. And there's nothing else in it at all. There's levels. There's levels to this thing, basically. You know, so I I wanted to kind of talk through a few of those things with you just to kind of have a little bit more understanding to give people a few, like some of the teeth that's in there. So I'm just going to kind of grab the highlights. I'll do the sports center version of it here. And Chris, if you got something to add in there, DeMarco, if you got something to add in there with the teeth, let's jump on, jump in it. But I I can help out a little bit. I think (laughs) I I, I hope so. But we want we want for you to color. We want to make the lines that you color inside of it at that point. So um, so. 
you know, one of the highlights in it, you know, it prohibits law enforcement from using respiratory chokeholds unless deadly force is authorized. Right. And I think that that's really like the main, like if you looked at like a subtitle, at least that's what people are going to see. So talk through a little bit of that and like what it was that made that be a piece that you were, you know, made be such a critical part of. It. Yeah, that was that was a that was a very symbolic piece, because, you know, if you think about what happened to to folks, you know, just being choked. And the thing was, when I talked to law enforcement, they're like, well, we don't train on it. Well, that's cool. So if we ban it. Then it shouldn't be a problem. Right. Mm. And you notice, I mean, at first there was some pushback, like, well, why we got to ban it? Well, if y'all don't train on it and people aren't doing it, then it should be no problem with banning it. So what that does right now, if you put somebody in the chokehold, that already classifies you as in, in, a, in a category to be charged with a crime. Because if it's not banned and there's no statute in, in place that say you can't choke people, you can say, well, there's nothing in, in statute. There's no not precedent illegal. that say it's not <laughs> illegal. You're just not supposed to do it. So now you got to go through this, this, this unprecedented scope on determining what type of crime this person committed. You know, and, and that's where a murder can go to an involuntary manslaughter or mm -hmm. a first degree can go to a second degree. Right now, we know in the state of Missouri, you're not supposed to be choking people. So if somebody get choked out and they lose air and they can't breathe and they somehow die or, or become severely injured, that was wrong. Yeah. And was that a piece that, you know, in, in the wake of the George Floyd situation and where it was at, is that something that had to have a direct parallel in seeing that and seeing that loophole in Missouri's law, I would imagine. No, that was something as a black man that said, no, we're going to let y'all know that y'all can't choke people. Right. Period. Right. Period. And that was just that was just the point of it. And, you know, and then we we went deeper and, you know, y'all keep going and I'll talk about it. No, yeah, you you was, you about to you about to go a place yeah. right there. I, I I wanted to go go there with you. You know, honey. we went we went deeper. And, and I mean, look at what's you know, we went further and look what's happening downtown at the Justice Center. Look what's happening right. at the workhouse. Right now, if a correctional facility officer or a police officer engages with anybody in any level of misconduct, not just sexually, if you got people fighting each other, if you got folks uh, running some type of, um, you know, um, system in the, in the prison where people got to uh, be coerced into doing stuff yeah. that they don't want to do. Now you would be charged with a class E felony. Mm hmm. And that's going to help so many people, so many people we know, relatives and friends of relatives that are locked up right now that are being coerced into doing stuff. And even with police officers, you know, somebody brought a story to us um, about when she was in college. And she said, you know, uh, I remember when I was in college, I was drinking too much. I parked my car on the Taco Bell a lot. And a cop came and knocked on the window. It was like, you okay? It's like, well, you know, I'm okay. I'm sleeping because I've been drinking. And he basically said, well, you give me your number and go on a date with me. I won't give you a DUI. And she went on a date. Nothing happened. But the point is, that was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Who doing it like this? Yeah. He was a campus <laughs> campus police officer said, you know, and she went on a date with him one date and that was it. But he would be charged with a class E felony under this that's bill. Crazy, man. But that, think about that's how somebody's daughter that that's, that's yeah. somebody's mm -hmm. daughter um, in college, somebody's son in college. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. You know. That, that that could be impacted by that. And then another thing that the bill did, we had a use of force database. Now we can keep track of um, uh, situations where um, high or excessive force has been used. They identify the situation, the, um, the agency, the officer involved, 
um, pretty much all the details. So now we know that, and that's going to be on a, on a, on a public uh, database. And when you go and pursue a job as a police officer today under this bill, if you leave Jennings and go to, um, for Hazelwood <laughs> or Ferguson, now chief Armstrong in Ferguson, he can disclose. So if I'm somebody leave my department, I can go over to Chris and say, Hey man, he got an investigation going. Um, we didn't conclude it, but this is what it was about. So you might want to use your discretion mm. on whether or not you hire this guy. Right. And now I have immunity from Jeff Rorta and the police officers association coming to sue me right. for disclosing details of this investigation because this person departed the agency before we concluded the investigation. Now, Senator, I got to ask you about that. And I know, Marco, I know you're going to have I wanted to get this in before you got it in. I can only Good. imagine the heat that would have come down from the from the police officers union and whatnot when they oh, yeah. saw that. That's one of those things where you're what you look at what happens. You're like we you undercut a lot of what they were using mm -hmm. to take that privilege. Right. And and to just basically give people that immunity. And it brings it back around to me, the things that you're saying about, um, you know, where people where police officers work at and who can work where and who's eligible to do that, because, you know, let's expand it. What stops somebody from out in Rockwood who has a, something saying, I'm just going to go work in St. Louis City now and be in a place where they have a much different view on the people that are in that space and you don't know what they did in Rockwood? They couldn't previously speak you, to you that. Couldn't, you couldn't disclose that. So what it does is wow. keep bad officers from department hopping. And y'all all know that's what they, they go from yeah, different police departments and all over the region and the state. Um, and then it also has what's called a wrapback program. So it now extended, and this was something that we worked with the highway patrol on, is now if somebody um, applies for a law enforcement job, not only do they do the state, but a federal uh, background check. So it's 30 mm. days that they have to do this background check and make sure that this person didn't have any type of incidents or anything that happened prior to their hiring. So now we're that's another layer of, of vetting that they're doing for these officers. Um, and then we moved on to something that's more criminal justice reform, which I think is very, very powerful. Uh, we had another bill that um, now I already hit my quota on bills that can come out <laughs> of committee. My one bill like, all right, man, you got a big bill. This is enough. Like, you know, and I guarantee you, there's probably people on both sides like you went in too much. This is enough. Enough is enough. So I had another bill that I wanted. And um, and keep in mind, if you look at my record, I only file bills that I think I can pass. So like I don't just file stuff just to file it. Yeah. So yeah. everything I filed, I want to pass. <laughs> I'll try to at least. You competitive? You have anybody ever said you competitive? Anybody? I just don't file a bunch of bills. <laughs> like people come to me all the time with stuff, and I'm like, man, that's just not my issue. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's I'm not going to focus on that. So, you know, what's the point of me doing that? And I know it's a job for you too, but right. I just I don't see a point of me filing a bill that I can't even explain to people why I filed it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I just don't do yeah. it. So anyway, I filed this bill. It's clean slate. It deals with expungement. Now, this bill is just as important to me as this is police reform. So we start working through the process. The bill gets out the Senate. Now, keep in mind, relationships matter. So I go to Caleb Browder, the um, majority floor leader in the Senate. Now, what the majority floor leader does. He's also Republican, correct? He's Republican. Mm -hmm. Anybody that matter up there is a Republican. Republican. Right. Yeah. So I did, a, I did a chart for the Missouri state senators. And I looked at like who's on committees. Who the chairs? Who the vice chairs? There's only like one committee that has a chair. Is a yeah, Democrat. progress and development. Only one. Yep, I'm the vice only chair. Out of all Who's the chair, uh, Jill. 
Jill was Jill the most, Jill was the most Jill senior. So when out Jill of all of the committees in the state of Missouri are led by a Republican chair yeah. and vice chair. For sure. Wow. If you, go to, if you go look if you got time, look up the house. You see what about in the thing? house? The house you got one, right? Yeah, you got, you got uh Representative Proudy over um, one. Urban Affairs. Uh so anyway, now I gotta go talk to Caleb. I'm like, hey, look, man, I need your help. He's like, okay. Now keep in mind now, he's in control of the entire calendar for every bill that's filed in the Senate. So now he gotta figure out how to get this Democrat controversial bill on the calendar and and, and done at some point. And let me tell you what the what the race is. The race isn't no other bill than this controversial bill that say you can run over people if they protesting. Um, you know, you could charge people with a felony for blocking the streets. And I need my bill to get out before this one do. Right. And the reason why is because I got to be I'm against it. Right. So if I get out there and I block this bill, guess What's what they're going to do to yeah. my yeah. So I go to they Caleb and I'm block. like, hey. Tombo. I'm like, oh, it's done. It's, they knock it to the other side of the court. So I go to Caleb and I'm like, and this is where the relationships matter, where you got to get to know people and, and, and it can't always just be black and white. Yep. So um, I go to Caleb and I said, look, man, I need a favor. I need my bill to come up and I need you. We got to get it out the Senate before this bill. And believe it or not, man, every Republican don't like every Republican. No, and that's I another thing that, right. we, that's, that's, that's that's what what people been, don't understand. Yeah. So he looked at me like, okay, now he don't want to promise me, but he says, okay. He just, and you could tell he's looking like, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to do it for you. You just cost him so, a couple hours of sleep. Oh, I just cost him <laughs> yeah. more than enough. Because <laughs> yeah. guess what? You, I need the bill to come up early yep. because I got it. Look, it still got to go through the house. Like, like it still got to go yeah. through an entire different process and then come back to us. Like it ain't enough days in a year. So mm. Caleb takes brings I get the bill up and we get it out and I get the bill out literally what Rob like a like a couple hours before <laughs> the other bill came up. Mm -hmm. So we get our bill out right before we go to recess at noon. We take a lunch break. My bill gets out. I'm like, thank God. That bill come up. We had to lay it over because people was just was all saying. over it. Oh, man. Because man. I because I did not. Because guess what? I wasn't going to not block it. So now I'm like, man, I can't not block it. So my bill gets out. As soon as that bill come up, I'm like, man, this bill horrible. I'm blocking it. I'm filibustering it. All kinds of stuff. And they like, dang. We can't do nothing to him because this bill is done. Mm -hmm. So my bill gets out. It goes to the house. And But to get back to the point of the bill. Uh, it has expungement language in it. And basically, in Missouri, last special session, the governor um, decided to uh, do a special session that would make someone as young as the age of 12 years old to be charged as an adult mm -hmm. and, and also housed with adult mm -hmm. prisoners. Yeah, We raised the age back up to 18. So no one under the age of 18 can be charged as an adult or housed with adult inmates. We took the expungement law, which um, today, before this bill was passed, if you were charged with a nonviolent offense, felony, you would have to wait seven years after getting off probation. So seven years after getting off papers mm -hmm. to be able to even be eligible for an expungement. That's crazy. Man, think about Good how Lord. much stuff can happen to you in seven, seven years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years without a, a job. Yeah. And so we rolled that back to three years. We cut that more than in half. And if you have a misdemeanor, nonviolent offense is one year after you get off probation, which it was three years before. I like this bill. I like that. Um, and then we also um, 
we also had some more language, which was really important, um, which is going to benefit your local prosecutors. So for everybody that's mm -hmm. huge supporters of Kim Gardner, uh, Wesley Bell in St. Louis County. Um, right now, we know that it's people that look like all of us that are in prison for crimes they didn't commit. Right. We know that. Right. Right. So Lamar Johnson had a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the only reason why they didn't win that case is because there was technical language that said a local prosecutor could not provide evidence from a crime that somebody committed. It would have to go under the scope of the attorney general. Mm. We put in language with called the motion to uh, vacate. And basically what the motion to vacate would do is allow Wesley Bell or Kim Gardner to provide substantial evidence to the courts that would allow that trial, that case to be reopened and ultimately get a new trial. So anybody that's been put in prison unlawfully, we can provide that information and now we can have that evidence submitted in a new trial to determine the facts on whether or not that person committed a crime. I ain't even going through everything, but I just touched on the big parts of it. Today, when that bill goes in, that bill would have to either be signed into law or automatically go into law by um, August 28th unless the governor vetoes it. Um, he's not going to veto it because we made sure he had something he wanted in it. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and what they wanted was the residency. Um, there's no language to run over protesters. There's no anti-protester language. There's no anti-Black Lives language. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing we did to help law enforcement with that bill was lift the residency. We negotiated it to where it, you can't live no more than 30 miles from the Kansas City Police Department and you can't live in Kansas. Mm. So mm. we negotiated which that, is massively which important. On they wanted they right. wanted they right. wanted Kansas and they wanted 60 miles. We gave them 30 miles and you can't live outside of Missouri. Right. Okay. And then we gave the sheriffs a raise. And that was something that Vernon Betts wanted. Yeah. I was going to mm. say, who would be mad at this bill? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. Oh, it nobody touches, mad. They happy. Now, yeah, no, it, they yeah, I mean, <laughs> it touches everything uh, that has been the focus uh, nationally and locally. I mean, yeah. I don't see. And it's going to help black people day one, exactly. man. Yeah. Like exactly. this is going to happen. This is going to help so many people. This is a victory for us. And, 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 and people ask me, so what you going to do next? You know, I'm going to spend next year trying to figure out how to get people out of prison, get records expunged. Yeah. Um, we gave a half a million dollars to Harris Stowe for them to be able to do a cadet program where young people at Harris Stowe and Lincoln University could go through the cadet program with the police department and still get their criminal justice degree. Yeah. Uh, so wow. now you can get your degree and get your certification to be a police officer. So we get more people of color in the police department and they get their degree if they want to do something different. Yeah. And they don't got to pick and choose. Can, can, um, we, work, can we work on unlock the vote? Like making sure people get the right to vote if they. Oh, uh, no. So also with this bill with expungement, you get all your voting rights. Right. They restore. There it is. OK. That's so your key. voting rights, yeah. once you're with the expungement law, um, your voting rights are restored. Yeah. So, so you brought up actually. um you know, you talk about how some of the things that we view, uh, whether it's being from St. Louis or being from a metropolitan area or even being just African-Americans and you know, li living our daily lives, how some things come off as common sense. But how like how is it when you have to work with people who view what we view as common sense as nonsense? Well, one, go back to what your mama taught you. It ain't about what you say. It's how you say it. Right. So when I used to walk in a room. It was so many things that 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 activists and, and, and different people, progressives believed. I just knew how to say it. Mm. You know, it's like it, it's really, believe it or not, the, the, the devil is in the details. And, and a lot of people don't really realize. I can tell you right now, 
that bill that we passed, if I was a Republican, I wouldn't have voted for it. I'm telling you that up front. I'm like, man, I'm not voting for this. Yeah. Mm. But Republicans are smart in one way. They don't, if they vote for something this year, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come back next year and make it their issue. Mm. That's what they're going to do. They're going to come back next year and be like, we the party of criminal justice reform. Yep. And they're just going to continue to expand their umbrella. On the Democrat side, we're trying to figure out how to tell people no. No, you ain't cool enough to sit with us. Republicans mm-hmm. say, all right, cool. You want criminal justice reform? Cool. I, I voted for this bill. Come on in. We're going to make this our issue. Yep. Mm. And, and, and that's how Donald Trump got elected. Mm-hmm. Because you got so many people that have this, this litmus test. And, and at the same time, it's people that are coming here and they and they they duping everybody. Like Donald Trump, he wasn't a Republican or Democrat. He was Donald Trump. Right. And right. and to think even today, you know, you know, I think about what Rick Ross said. He said sometimes we sometimes we gotta, you know, sometimes we gotta just like break down before we elevate. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes like like I'm not that type of person. You know, I'm the type of person that my successes came like, man, he ran out in the middle of the street, got hit by a car. That looked like that hurt. I ain't going to do that. <laughs> That's me. Right. That's me. Only but some soul. people like, man, he got hit by a car. That's lit. I'm going to run out there. I'm about to run out there. Because right. he got some likes for that. For he, got some, right. you know, he, he got some followers on IG, you know, and, and, and the thing about it is that I didn't walk in no room and change the tone of my voice. I didn't walk in no room and, and, and you know, take away my identity. If you look at any presser or anything I ever did, like they, I remember the last day of session, and they asked me during our like press conferences we do at the end of the week, and they was like, um, you know, so what does this say to the state of Missouri? I said, it say that finally in the state of Missouri that Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Period. I said that. Period. I didn't say all lives. I didn't say you know African Americans. Mm-hmm. No, Black Lives Matter today. And, and my Republican colleagues were in the same room and, and they, they knew that's how I felt about it. But just because I have my views and feel a certain way about something doesn't give me the right to be unprofessional with, with people that don't agree. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. That's 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 a left. That's a life lesson to anybody in anything that you do. Anybody that you think is successful, because I can tell you, LeBron ain't brokering them deals with um, Fenway Sports and becoming a minority owner of, of Liverpool, a team where he can't even wear their apparel. Cause he's with Nike, you know, he's not navigating Maverick and them, all them guys that you probably, people don't even know that they don't even see them guys are sitting in the room with, with billionaires. And guess what? They, 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 they know they black. Like, I don't have to go in the room and say, well, you know, I'm black. We we see you (laughs) black, black, but, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why you need to do something for black people. And if you don't understand why you should do it for black people, then do it for me. It was mm. people that didn't get it. And I was like, man, hell, get do it for me then. I think then I think that what you just put right there, correct me if I'm wrong, me. is if the essence me, of being a representative. Me. I think that yeah. if you don't if you don't agree with me, then if you respect me enough, respect me enough to either support it or stay out the way. I think that you should be teaching uh, <laughs> uh courses to a lot of uh a lot of people that um who are who are, who are who are currently in politics. And I, I have I one of the most progressive records of any Democrat in this state. That's that's stuff record. So so when I go before people, you can check my record. You ain't never heard nobody say I didn't vote for nothing crazy. I didn't have to cut a single deal to get this done. I didn't vote to privatize public education. I didn't do none of that. Right. I went with my own merit. And guess what? It was times where I was like, you know what? If y'all don't have enough respect for me and y'all gonna mess this process up, 
I was already prepared to kill my own bill. <laughs> yeah. I was prepared to kill my own bill. And the thing about life that people people become so married to to one particular outcome. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm never married to one one particular outcome. Like mm-hmm. I'm never too good to to meet people where they are or, or get on that level. And that's where my success came from. Rasheen Aldrich, um, man, I didn't I didn't I'll tell you up front. Like I got out there and I marched for, for Mike Brown and George Floyd. But what they was going through, Chris and I, man, all y'all, like man, we was kids growing up in North St. Louis, North County. We was getting pulled over and messed with by the police all the time. All the time. All like, the time. The only difference between us and the new generation was that they had they had some more tools to recognize that their constitutional rights was violated. We were right. just glad we didn't die. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We yeah. was like, man, we cool. Let's just get up out of here. I made it. Let's when go. The, you know, mm-hmm. in this generation, they run to the police. We ran from them. You know, so that's the only difference. But, you know, my point, and I don't want to be too much long, too long winded on this. But my point is that, you know, I went to people who cared about different things and I made sure they was a part of it. This bill, Senate Bill 60, every black state senator um, in the Senate is a co-sponsor. I made sure every black senator got a priority that they wanted in that bill. How important is that? Senator May got her um, her wraparound services. For uh, police officers, which we do provide wraparound services now for police officers for mental health evaluation. And that's, and the, criti- that's the critical incident. Criti- yeah, critical stress incident, management. stress management. That was yes. Senator May's language. Yes. Um, Senator Roberts had some language um, dealing with, um, I think the uh, use of force language was his. And then um, I negotiated with Barbara Washington and helped her. And I told them I wasn't going to even support my own bill unless they squared up with her to where she was comfortable with the residency requirements mm-hmm. for Kansas City. Right. Uh so I made sure, for Kansas City for those who know who Barbara Washington is. And and then in the house, you know, I empowered people who cared about this issue, even though they name wasn't on the bill, I made sure that they knew that this couldn't have been done without them. Mm-hmm. Rasheen yeah. Aldrich was a was a champion on this bill for us in the house. Shamed Dogan, a Republican, was a champion on this bill in the house for yeah. us. Shamed come holler at us, Shamed. And that's that's in my opinion, that's that's what that's what it should be about. I was never like this is a Brian Williams bill. This was a bill where everybody's co-sponsor. And the thing was, is that they didn't have to do nothing but exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have to do nothing but exist. Mm. Yeah. Because I was going to people on the other side, like, they like, well, s- you know, Senator such and such want this, but this hasn't been vetted. Hey, man, I can't, if you don't do it, I they're not going to support it. And I can't yeah. support it. Right. And they yeah. like, all right. But so, you yeah. got it. But you got to get people to a place. I got, I got the Republicans to a place to where they cared about that bill more than I did. That's what's up. So how can we then like get them to a place, right? Because we're looking at some of the other legislation that's happening. We're looking at uh, the Republicans not funding Medicaid uh, and to the, to the point where even the governor was like, I'm not funding it either, not doing anything about it, take it to the courts. We also see um, legislation where it says uh, po- local police are not allowed. They will be penalized if they enforce federal gun laws. Uh, so they, and I literally had a conversation with a police officer yesterday during a very heated situation. And I asked him, how do you feel about that? He's like, we hate it. We hate it. That does not help us. He's like, the, we deal with different things in St. Louis City and Kansas City that other police departments don't deal with. And I was like, who speaks on y'all behalf? Like, who represents y'all? 
And and Senator uh, Williams, before you answer that question, I wanted to highlight a little bit of the thing ahead. about the Medicaid expansion. So, yeah. you know, earlier in the session, it was legislators voted not to fund the voter approved Medicaid expansion. I think that that's a very important part to highlight in this. It was estimated to cost 100. I mean, I'm sorry, 1.9 billion overall. We're roughly about 130 million of that coming from the state. So I want to kind of color in the situation we're here where voters approved this. Right. And now it's being said, we don't care, basically. Yeah, for those that aren't familiar with Medicaid expansion, it was a uh, voter-approved uh, constitutional mandate last August um, that was voted into law. And um, what happened was the legislature decided not to fund it. Now, keep in mind, you know, we have two jobs. Chris, when you was elected, you had one primary job, and that was to uphold the oath of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And the second was the will of the people. And... Those two things were not done when it came to Medicaid expansion. I was very disappointed. Um, not only was I proud to vote and support Medicaid expansion, but also vote to fund it. And um, I can tell you right now, what's happening with Medicaid expansion is the same thing that we've seen happen for many years in, in politics. People are letting the extreme narratives contradict how they govern and lead this state in this country. And I guarantee you, it was a lot of Republicans who knew they should have voted for it and wanted to, but was afraid that they was going to get primary by somebody who said they wasn't extreme enough. Yep. <laughs> I guarantee mm. you. I guarantee you. Some I, consultant, I, and, 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 some wow. consultant called and said, hey, if you vote for that, you know it's over for you. Identity wow. politics. Wow. Just the definition of identity politics. And, and, it go, and it goes to the thing you said earlier about there being two realities on that side of the aisle right now. And, and keep in mind, the majority floor leader, Republican, um, Caleb Rowden, Lincoln Huff, Springfield, they voted to fund it. And so, mm. and I remember Caleb getting on the floor and I respected him a lot for that. He said, you know, I'm going to do something that uh, that's not popular, but at the same time, I'm doing what I believe is the right thing to do. And that go back to your point, DeMarco. When I tell you, man, like, man, I, I don't stay up a single day thinking about no election, man. I <laughs> mm -hmm. promise you I don't. Yeah. I promise you I don't because I know what I put into it. And I know what I've contributed to, to the state for my space. And, and the people that get up every day thinking about the next election, they don't deserve to be in office. Mm -hmm. I, I promise you that. But it's a lot of people that do. They vote. They yeah. vote in terms of yeah. what, what they may want to run for next or somebody may want to get it, it feels to me like those are the people that are standing on glass floors, too. Yeah. Whereas yeah. that maybe what they're, what they're standing behind doesn't really have that much teeth to it. And I think that if you get to a point where you're scared of your constituents, you're not doing enough yep. in the right. first place anyway. Right. Yeah. You're and not doing enough. And and I think um, the other part, so, you know, it's just a bad situation. But with Medicaid expansion, we should have expanded it. Now it's going to the courts. Uh, the courts have determined uh, whether or not I have. I'm optimistic that the courts will do the right thing. But at the end of the day, it's our job to govern and legislate. And we should have taken care of that. And therefore, the state is potentially at risk to, to miss out on billions of federal dollars. Right. But let me ask you, shouldn't shouldn't the party be that should be the number one thing now? Like uh, what Matt just said, you know, the people voted for this uh, to happen and for us not to do it and for the legislator not not uh, not to do it. That's that's huge. Like that's that should be a huge message from the party. Hey, look. <laughs> all, all I can tell you, all I can tell you is this is, um, you know, I know how to I know how to work hard. You know, I, I know how to work through the process and I know how to win. And, and if there's other people out here that don't know how to do that, um, shame on them. 
But I, I think I think Democrats, I think people got an opportunity right now. Um, the right person could possibly, you know, take advantage of that opportunity to really expose our state for its shortcomings. Right. Uh, and we'll see. Time will see. But, you know, that mm-hmm. that's fundamentally wrong. And if I was a if I was a Republican, I would I would truly do some soul searching. Yeah. So speaking of you, you talked about make sure you have the relationships, understand the process in order to win. Um, we just you know because we uh, we we now have uh, Mayor Tashara Jones. Uh, we also have County Executive Sam Page. Uh, what type of relationship do you have? Or are are you looking to build with either one of them? Uh, and then we're talking about like bringing bring something home. Um, what does it look like to build a relationship, but then also to, to bring forth development around uh, the dealing with the Lambert airport, which is a city County issue, places like Kenlock Berkeley uh, also understanding all the different constituents where there's business like Boeing uh, or just the, the local people in everyday, like you say, the everyday lives, our people, our families, how do you plan on building those uh, relationships uh, to, in order to get, bring the wins home? Yeah, well, I'm, this this is a good moment because I this is when I put on my my Chris Carter hat, you know, because <laughs> Chris Carter was like one of those few people in politics that was just like flat out just saying like with the real on on the on the podcast or the interview, like, look, this is what it is, um, man. You know, one thing that I benefit from is that I I don't feel the need to like broadcast my relationships, and when I tell you like the people I got relationships with is you know Chris like the people I got relationships with like like. Somebody be like, man, I ain't never seen you with Chris Carter. And I guarantee if I call Chris Carter, say, man, I need you to show up here right now. He's going to be there. And they're like, wait a minute. I ain't know you do Chris Carter. I ain't know you do. If I call (laughs) Matt right now, any of y'all, everybody in this room could say y'all had a moment with me that could justify if I needed y'all help, y'all was going to be there. Because it's it's vice versa. Me and Daryl's birthday on the same day. You know, (laughs) like, for real. Like, for real. Yeah. You know, it got me up for feeling bad that I didn't give money or volunteer or knock some doors for you. I mean, I feel bad right now. No, 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 no. no. Look, I'm listening to uh, to you and I'm like, dude, I really feel bad because I didn't come. I didn't come out for you. No, he told. No, let me tell you what he did. People was coming to him and even his dad was like, man, what you think will happen? He's like, dad. He gonna win, <laughs> right? I was I tell people like Brian go win. Am I like, like, no, <laughs> like that. He gonna win. Like much love and, 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 and I ain't gonna go into the details, ran. but he yeah. broke it down. He's like, Don bro. had to cop up. Yeah. yeah, you know, he was like, Uh-oh. man, he gonna win, bro. <laughs> but for real, he was that for real, and I and I know that. And 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 look, and when somebody said that to me, you know, with those relationships, you know, like sometimes, you know, if you if I gotta check in with you for you to know that we straight, then that that's a whole nother issue. Like yeah, I can nah. go years without seeing y'all and y'all all gonna know it's me, it's good. And ain't nobody ever, and this is just outside of politics, nobody ever come to y'all and say, I said something about y'all nah, or was talking yeah. about y'all family or talking about who y'all are. Like, I don't operate like that. And I don't think anybody should. So to your point, DeMarco, um, Tashara and I, and I have had, have long, have had a long relationship. Like we've known each other before I was even in elected office and um, I'm rooting for it. And, and the thing about it, and even with the County executive, Sam Page, you know, if they fail, we all fail. That's yeah. what people don't understand. Yeah. Like if they don't do well, man, that impact my family, that impact me, that impact all y'all. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what people fail to realize. Like if you if your personality differences uh, are that strong that you want your entire state and region to fail, something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like something is really, really wrong with you. So Tashara and I have a great relationship. I'm excited for, you know, we've been in conversations 
you know, we same thing with with her and I, you know, I don't have to call her every day to know if I need something that's good. Right. Uh, Sam Page and I, you know, we're going to be working on some things around the rescue relief funding. Um, I've challenged him to commit to North County. And, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 hoping and I'm optimistic that he'll uphold his end of the deal to where when folks are driving through North County, we got more um, health care facilities, you know, grocery stores. We 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 as y'all saw, I, I put 30 million dollars into Wellston to redo um, development housing. We trying to do that in Kenlock and Berkeley. Yeah. We're trying to um, also figure out how to do some stuff around all those communities around the airport. I can tell you right now, I wrote an op-ed in the American and um, I remember sending it to Dr. Suggs. And I said, look, Dr. Suggs, I'm gonna send this over here to you. And I just wanna let you know, this ain't about no particular candidate. This is just how I feel. I like and that, I like that op-ed. And I sent it out, and but Doctor Suggs put it out. I just sent it to him, you know. Like and it. that's another thing when you get when you have respect from people, and you treat people with respect. They they value your opinion. So I just sent it to Donald Suggs, and I didn't know what he was gonna do with it for real. I didn't. I don't even send stuff to like the the people at the American. Like I sent it to Donald Suggs, and I'm like, what you think, you know? And he do what he want. And um, I sent this to him, and it was basically called. Uh, it basically said St. Louis City and County needs to have better. Um, better community relations and regional relations. And I said, whoever was running for mayor, whoever that they think that they should be the mayor needs to have a conversation, even though county residents can't vote for them on how they're going to improve city county relations. Mm -hmm. If you running for mayor and you ain't never been to Kenlock, something's wrong with something's that. Wrong with that. That's an issue. If you Big running issue. for mayor, issue. if you running for mayor and you don't care about all those communities, because look, in my district, I got Washington Park Cemetery. If you ain't never been there, please check it out. I know people ain't volunteering to go to a cemetery, no, yeah, but it's a historically no. black cemetery. Yeah, I guarantee you, if you check your lineage, you may be a descendant. Mm -hmm. And that that cemetery was wiped out due to the expansion of the airport to the extent mm -hmm. where they were digging bodies up, just throwing them in a the dumpster. Mm -hmm. And that was symbolic for me because I said, you know what? The expansion of the airport and all these developments they wiping out historically black communities like Kenlock. And that is nothing but a, a symbol on how our communities and, and, and our race is being viewed when it comes to how we progress our region and our state. So I said, not reparations, since everybody's so damn smart, let's go to the legal terminology. I don't want no reparations since y'all think it's too late for that. How about restitution? Y'all know what that means. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. You ain't got to get no charge <laughs> to know what restitution means. Mm. How about y'all get restitution to the black community by investing in Washington Park Cemetery, investing in Kenlock, Berkeley, Pine Lawn, Jennings, all these different communities that I represent, North St. Louis. I told them, with the, I told Sam Page, I said, look, Sam, with the, with the CARES Act money, $173 million. Now we got um, $517 million that's coming to St. Louis City. North St. Louis should look like Ledoux. Yeah. 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 And I guess what? If we don't do nothing with that money that we, none of, none of us would ever see again for our lifetime, I'm going to say it's only two things, failed leadership and a net bureaucracy. And every mm. single elected official in this region and this state should be embarrassed of themselves. Period. How would you suggest we hold these elected officials accountable? Well, first, you need to find out where the money resides. <laughs> where the money resides? Where, where the, the money, money resides. <laughs> find out where the money resides. And, and, you know, when they say it ain't about the money, it's about the money. It's always about um, the money. So, you it's know, it's money. A half a billion dollars coming to St. Louis City. 
uh, 200 million coming to St. Louis County, 2 billion coming to the state. Um, half of that will be here any day. Um, we need to be really having a conversation. So whatever, you know, be, be the, be the, be the, be the community and region you want to see. Start having those conversations. Hey, how, how tough is it while we're talking about money real quick? And I know we probably need to go for it. Up. Go for it. How tough is it to bring money back <laughs> in, in the, in the budget, and, and, and I think I spoke on that uh, before because uh, one of the years when I was a rep, I, you know, I talked about bringing like a million dollars back for something, but it was right. tough. It was like, yeah. man, I had to do so much. Right. So how tough is it for you as a senator? Because senators hold, um, it's different. It's different mm -hmm. than being in the house. The senators, uh, the, the senators, it's a different form of respect mm -hmm. just with the seat. Now yeah. some of them lose that. For sure. When they get, you know, but yeah, you've done uh, an awesome job in holding and even taking it a step further. Um, so so how 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 tough is it to bring money back? No, it's very, very yeah. difficult, especially with a state that don't think you should spend money. Um, <laughs> first, um, I was very lucky by building relationships. Um, Gina Walsh, a former state senator who was yeah. the um, um, Democratic leader the minority leader, floor leader in the uh, Senate. Um, when she left, she advocated for me as a freshman senator to go on the appropriations committee. That's big. So I That's got big. on the appropriations committee um, like my less, like my second year in the Senate. Like act actually the end of my first year in the That's Senate. That's big. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. And, um, and, and, you know, so that was huge just to even be on that committee. And I got on it before people that had been on the budget committee for like several years in the House and people that had been you know, there. Yeah. Can you break down appropriations real quick too? For those? So appropriations is basically the committee that that determines how the state appropriates its its money as well as it, it finalizes the um, budget for the fiscal year. And so basically anything, any money that's coming from the state, we're responsible for it. And then mm -hmm. we actually, um, we're the check and balance system for the governor as well. Um, so in terms of appropriations, as I've been in the Senate, uh, we've been able to, I've been able to get a lot of money back to St. Louis um, organizations like youth build. And th these are all ongoing um, mm -hmm. appropriations. So um, we did a half a million this year to Harris Stowe. We did. Um, what? 300,000 to youth build. We did uh, 400,000 to uh, mission St. Louis. We did 2 million. Oh yeah. Which one was it? Oh, yeah. We did $2 million for uh, community health workers mm. uh, in St. Louis. So all the FQACs, People's Health Center, Affinia, Care STL. We did $2 million just for healthcare workers in yeah. St. Louis that work at the FQHCs. Uh, so that's going directly to their operating budgets. Mm. Um, man. Uh, yeah, we did 400000 for uh, 500000 Yes, we did a half a million for the Father Support Center. And that was a big deal for me um, in honor of Halbert Sullivan. Because yeah, he actually had yeah. came to see me a week before he died. Oh, wow. And then um, we appropriated that money like two weeks after his uh, funeral. So we put a half a million in there for Father Support Center. And that's our second year doing that. All of this has been our second year doing that. So in my two years of uh, just being on the appropriations committee, we probably appropriated probably between ten and fifteen million dollars. That's big. St. Man. Louis region. That's big. It's major. What's next, man? I want to see you in a. Uh... <laughs> man, I mean, man, I know it's early. And man. I and I be forgetting stuff. That's why you got I, well, amazing no, no, staff. That's what you got amazing <laughs> staff. So like you Nothing know new. they they deal with it day to day. 
but yeah, man. Uh, and then, you know, we've also been able to put uh, a black woman on the state board of education, Pamela Westbrooks yeah, Hodge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a, that was an appointment that we asked the governor to make. Uh, we just recently put Michael McMillan on Harris Stowe board. Really? That was an appointment I asked the governor to make. Um, huh. we put, um, Adrian Bracey with the Y, uh, WCA, her husband Vito, um, Lincoln oh. university grad. We put him on Lincoln's board. Uh, and then we also are, are uh, working through the, the process now for Lincoln to get its land grant uh, funding for the first time. Great. Really? Great. Yeah. What was your question there? You said <laughs> you, it, man. you he, had he a, you said, see what happens you, next. That's what you was asking. Oh, was well, well, no, I'm just saying, look, hey, I am. That sounds like next. Wow. <laughs> I am. Uh, I am highly impressed. I mean, I've, I've been impressed, but man, this is man. I'm happy, man. No, I'm, I'm happy, happy too. And, and you know, and just remember, you know, at the end of the day, nobody gets anywhere by themselves. I mean, there's so many tools and lessons that I've learned throughout my life that contribute to my success today. But um, I think the the best thing I can say, and and you know, I'll close on this, is that I think sometimes people really think what we do is about us. And it's never really, it's never about us. Like I know my first day and my last day in Jefferson City. Um, and when I think about, you know people ask me, what about the next office? Where are you going to run for this? When I tell you, it was so many things that people said I should have ran for before I ran for what I wanted to run for. <laughs> and I look back and think if I would have did that, I probably would have lost. But even if I had won, I probably would have been miserable. Yeah. I, it, it wasn't for me. So, you know, that saying that what God had for you is for you. And that's how I really treat my career and, and everything that I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I actually had one more question. Okay, you can. Yeah. So we got a little time. Is it cool with you? Yeah, let's okay. go. I know yeah, we, got some, we, got. we got something crazy coming. I already no, know. nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. No. Um, so uh, from the different conversations I've had with other uh, uh, senators and reps uh, from over the years, uh, and even Chris has mentioned this about how uh, we they sometimes some of the state elected officials uh, or, or district elected officials don't feel like they get support from uh, from from the other elected officials who are on a higher level uh, over the past. So I was just wondering, has you seen a difference when it comes to uh, Congresswoman Cori Bush? Like, how has she been? Has she had a chance to interact with the state senators and state reps yet? And and or and or does that relationship really have an impact on on how you all govern in order to get things done? Because we've heard of how uh, Ann Wagner, for example, Congresswoman of District Two, will come and support and show up. For the state reps and state senators in District Two, and I understand Congresswoman Cory Bush is just relatively fresh. This is what I was asking. So, how is, have you had a chance, or does that really make an impact at all? Well, for those I, who may be asking or wondering. Well, first, remember, um, politics is about addition, not subtraction. <laughs> so, you know, we always trying to add to what we're doing to make our, our region and our state better. Um, in terms of Congresswoman Bush, she has reached out to me a few times. Uh, I have not had a chance to really focus on what she's been really focused on. But I, I will say this. Um, if she don't do well, then that impact all of us. And, yeah. and I think I think at the end of the day, if if, you know, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. So if I if I can't wake up every day with the desire and the, and the urge to support a black woman, whether she was a congressperson or a janitor or a teacher, mm. then then clearly I'm dismissing my upbringing. So. So yeah. any any black person, let alone a black woman doing something, I'm always rooting for. For how, sure. How are you in terms of um, because I know in the small seats that I held, you had a, I, I always had somebody coming to me like, man, I want to run and run for this seat. Can I get your support. <laughs> what what should I do? 
you know, to run for this seat. <laughs> so how do you, uh, because because I know how I used to handle it. Tell us how you I, handled it. Well, no, I mean, the honest <laughs> truth. <laughs> well, teach, teach, Chris. Well, no, teach. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, at the at the end of the day, I gave everybody enough time. I mean, I, I, I sat down with everybody. Including me. When? Man, I used to I used to call you all the time and talk. See, that's look, you didn't help so many people. Hey, you don't even remember is. everybody didn't help. It's like a Superman hey, Brian, complex. Hey, Brian gave me my first loss. <laughs> I mean, not me, but my first. That, hey, he taught me a, a for real lesson. Uh, but no, no. But I, I I know it's it's a lot of young folks that's reaching out to you. Like, man, you know, I I see you. You did and did it. You the senator. You know, I, can you help me uh, do this or? What, what's some advice that you would give somebody that's um, that wants to get into politics young, mm-hmm. um, but they just don't know, like they don't have, you know, like for like for me, like I was telling these guys, it was different for me because I had my right. uncle, I had my grandmother, I right. had I had a a, a, a name, and I, you know it's good and bad that comes with that mm-hmm. for sure, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But you came. I'm not going to say you came out of nowhere because you have been around forever and you have the knowledge of uh, of a ton of people wrapped in one. But what advice would you give uh, someone who wants to who wants to run for a state representative or councilman or who wants to be who wants to be the first of their name to do it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was that, Um, you know, what I will say is build relationships like it's so important. Build relationships. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. That's so, so important. I mean, it goes so far. When I tell you when I ran, like I said, even if it was people that couldn't support me, they 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 wasn't against me. Right. And 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 building those relationships and treating people right. And and for young people, you know, you gotta you you gotta know a combination of what you're talking about in the history. You know, like I could sit down with you and talk about Senator Paula Carter. I can talk to you about Representative. Chris Carter Jr. and Senior. I could talk to you about Senator Jet Banks and 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 um, Senator Bass. The list goes on. Like, just learn a little history about about your crib. Exactly. You yeah. know, yeah. and and that goes so far because you know I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm really just really walking in the footsteps of people that were before me. So just don't get too lost in that, and, and just remember that uh, Twitter don't vote. Yeah, that, hey, that's that's a that's a fantastic hey, place to end it. At. Dude, we could I could, we we could spend like drop all sorts of time with you, and we hope we get the opportunity to. No, in the I'll, I'll be back, back for sure. I'll be back. Yeah. I, I might find I might get me a permanent seat on here because I kind of like you need one. If you figure out Rob just started sweating trying to work that into your schedule. <laughs> well, look, look, no, y'all, gotta, man, y'all gotta figure out how to do a much. hybrid thing in case I can't get down. We can do No, we will do that. We will do that. But look, hey, the representative, he, this is his first time showing up to work. I know I can get on if he on. That's why he's retired now in, in, in his <laughs> right, mind. That's right. why he's here with us. But Senator Brian Williams, man, we appreciate it. We appreciate what you're doing. You appreciate you coming here to explain the things that you are doing for the people of Missouri and um you know we absolutely look forward to speaking with you about this and many other things down the road. Yeah, thank you for having me and again uh, another thing for those young people. There's only one fraternity that matter and that's the <laughs> it's only one. That's the only way to end it. That's it's the way to end it up. That's how you started, one. how you ended. All right, so yo, always man, um always uh, again check us out on the SLC network at all times. All the programs we got here, uh you know, we we bring hotness in every 
avenue that you possibly can as often as we, as we can. So check us out here again. Follow us on Instagram at SOLC Network and on Twitter at the same tag. Until next time, I'm Matt Whitener, DeMarco, DeMarco Davidson, Davidson, Chris Carter. We think next time too. I'm a We're in here. Politics as usual, <laughs> man. We out.